0: Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is May 17th, 2021, and we are talking Bitcoin, a repeat of 2013, Redux. That's right. And before we jump into the Bitcoin charts and and everything that's going on in the Bitcoin world, I kind of want to talk about inflation. That's right. The impending dollar inflation, because this goes hand in hand with everything that's going on with Bitcoin. Now, more news came out today by Steve Hankey. He writes for the OMFIF, and he kind of shared his thoughts on Powell's position about money supply growth. And according to his numbers, he has here that the average real GDP growth from 2010 to 2020 was 1.8% per year. The average growth in total money supply was 6.5%. And the average change in velocity of money was minus 2.5%. Now, using these values and the Fed's inflation target, the golden growth rate for money supply is 6.3%. Now, he does a little bit of math here, and long story short, and I'll put all this in the show notes, that it's a bit below the Fed's target rate, but it's not surprising when you recognize that the prior to the explosion in the money supply in 2020 the average rate of growth of broad money was very modest from 2010 to 2019. It averaged only 4% rather than the 2010 to 2020 average of 6.5%. Now, in response to COVID-19 pandemic, the growth rate of money supply skyrocketed. We all know this, right? This is not a surprise. But by the end of 2020, it was growing at 28.9%. It's crazy. You know, these are the numbers that a lot of us have been speculating we just didn't have the hard data. Well, Steve Hankey has been at this for a really long time. He's well into his 70s, <laughs> right? So he knows exactly how to kind of track this trajectory, right? And so a growth rate that would be consistent with the Fed's inflation target is dramatically exceeding the golden growth rate. This is what he's calling it. Now, armed with those numbers and the model for national income determination, it is obvious that the April's year-over-year consumer price index inflation rate of 4.2% is simply not true. And that Powell's position is completely wrong. Now, this is fascinating. It's fascinating for a lot of reasons, but it gives a lot of, you know, virtue behind what Stanley Drunken Miller was saying last week. Well, this week, He is at it again, (laughs) except this time he's talking to students here at USC about that's right, inflation. Take a listen.
1: I believe we are in the the most unique set of economic circumstances um, that I've seen in my career and certainly in the post-war period. I believe policymakers are failing failing to acknowledge how unique this period is, and I think the consequences of that could be with us for years, if not decades, to come. Now, why do I say the period is so unique? Well, first of all, the COVID-induced decline that we experienced last spring was both violent and abrupt. Um, To put it into math terms, we had five times the decline in the average recession in 25% of the time. Think about that. So five times the average World War II recession decline in 25% of the time. Monetary and fiscal policy response to that was equally unprecedented. It's not pleasant to remember back last spring, but if you think about that period, I think we were all terrified that we're experiencing a potential black hole, not only in our lives, but but in the economy itself with potentially catastrophic circumstances, consequences. If you look at the policy response, it was extremely aggressive, led by the CARES Act. In three months, we increased the government deficit more than the last five recessions combined. So if you took the Reagan 82 recession, the the Saddam Hussein 90 recession, the dot-com recession, the great financial crisis, you added up all those recession's effect on our budget and and the size of of the budget deficit combined, they do not equal how much um, the budget deficit increased in three months last spring. The Fed response was equally aggressive and unprecedented. They did more QE in six weeks last spring than they did in the entire period from 2009 to 2018. With, which you'll remember, was somewhat unprecedented um, in and of itself. And a lot of people were questioning um, the size of that. Well, the peak month during that nine-year period was when Bernanke did $85 billion in QE. We're still buying $120 in securities after the six weeks um, that I talked about. The final thing that happened last spring was we crossed the Fed, crossed a lot of red lines in terms of what they would backstop in terms of corporate debt, also in the municipal market. Um, the results were, were very emphatic. Corporations increase their debt in a recession, I don't believe it's ever happened before, over a trillion dollars in response to the Fed backstopping that debt. Just to put that into perspective, in the great financial crisis, they shrunk their balance sheets, 500 billion, which is much more, I'd say, in in consistent with historical activity. Um, The good news is um, this has resulted, I'd say pleasantly, surprisingly, in a very abrupt and strong recovery. Um, In that context, It was a good risk reward to enact policy expecting a deep and protracted recession in the spring of 2020. Um, It worked, it was dynamic, it was bold. However, a lot has changed since then. By the fall, the outlook had already brightened considerably and policy support continues to accelerate. Fiscal deficits are going to reach 30% of GDP in just under two years. This this is a chart of the cumulative fiscal deficit from the start of the recession of all the recessions uh, that I mentioned earlier since 1980. And you'll see the top four lines um, are the four recessions that preceded this one. I'm sorry, the five recessions that preceded this one. And the black line is if you added up all those together, Remarkably, the red line is what we're doing in 2020 and 21. Um, again, the boldness of what they did and the beginning of that chart, when you say the first five or six or seven months, makes a lot of sense. But what's very surprising is we're continuing to double down on these policies, even after it's quite apparent you've had a very strong recovery in the economy. The Fed's easy money will also top a similar amount almost two times, two times all previous Fed incursions into money printing. What we have observed in recent months is the sharpest recovery from any downturn in recent history. Despite losing 11 million net jobs during 2020, personal income grew at the fastest rate it has grown in 20 years. Think about that. While we were while we were 11 million people were losing their jobs in a year, we ended the year with the strongest growth in personal income in 20 years. The unemployment rate has recovered 70 percent of the initial hit in just six months. It typically takes 25 months for this to happen. Even after the sharp fall, again five times the average recession. We're already back in terms of GDP to pre-COVID levels in just five quarters. The average recession takes seven quarters, but don't forget we're coming back from a much deeper hole that was five times as deep as that observed in the average recession. It is unnecessary and frankly reckless that 575 billion of the 850 billion In direct transfers of of two trillion, two and a half trillion of expected QE are being provided after retail sales were above pre-COVID trends and after vaccine confirmation. So if you look at the red line on the chart I have up, that is 2020. I think we can all agree it doesn't look anything like the other recessions, which are more traditional in nature much more violent increase on unemployment, and then a huge snapback in a much shorter period of time. I think even moderate voices will agree that the level of support has been excessive. Let me show you how excessive it actually has been. This is a chart of retail sales the last 20 years. They are currently above pre-COVID trend by 15%. Look at the period from 2008 to 2014. It took six years to get retail sales back on trend and um, after the great financial crisis. But if you look at the current period, we had a sharp V bottom out. And I mentioned the CARES Act, that's check one. Then we had more fiscal stimulus last fall after vaccines were apparent and after it was apparent that we were in a very unusual recovery. And now, as you know, we've just passed another trillion and a half of stimulus when retail sales are 15% above trend. What does that mean exactly? If you took the increase in retail sales from 2016 to 2020 on this chart, that's 3% a year in a recovery. We've just done that in six months. We are absolutely booming. We are above um, trend by, frankly, five years in six months.
0: If you look out in the markets right now and you see all sorts of stuff just hitting the headlines right you have lumber prices exploding there's a terrible jobs report it's all sad and it's not the type of sad stories that you see it really is just supply and demand sad right And uh, if you look just here, what you have Zillow you know one of the the biggest kind of apps out there for the housing market They're calling it the great reshuffling, and they report about 11% of Americans have already moved during the pandemic. You have all this going on, and then that's not even to mention millions of unemployed workers in low-pay service sector jobs earn more on unemployment than they did on their previous jobs, because most of those jobs are downright unpleasant. Employment will likely remain quite pressed for the most part of the year. And if you look at what happened recently with the cyber attack that shut down an oil pipeline, and then you had people filling up their their cars and all sorts of things with, with gasoline. I think I even saw some people filling up plastic bags. You know, it was, it was crazy out there. And that's not even to mention all the turmoil that's going on in the uh, other regions of the world right now. So... I think inflation is driving a lot of this right now. I think uh, Jerome Powell saying that it's transitory is just the wrong word to use. I think we are headed towards some kind of transition here. And I think billion-dollar investors like Stanley Trunk and Miller are worried. And they should be because the vast majority of them hold the US dollar, right? So. What does he think about Bitcoin? That that was always my kind of uh, question to all this, and it's a good thing he went to a university <laughs> this week, and uh, there happened to be somebody who asked him that. Take a listen as he explains what he thinks about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and how much he holds of it.
1: return on um, cryptocurrencies, I don't think there's any way to know. Um, They come in all shapes and sizes. I do think it's it's probable that we're going to end up with with a ledger system that requires cryptocurrency as a medium to execute it. Um, But I wanna remind you that Facebook was the 11th social network. And before Google, there was a company called Yahoo. I guess they sort of still are a company. Um, But there's a very good chance if cryptocurrency ends up being an actual medium exchanging currency, the winner not only has not been identified it might not have even been invented yet i wasn't just kidding when i was talking about this army of 25 year olds one of the things we've always looked at in investing privately is where are the hot young graduates from the from the great engineering schools going and remarkably i haven't understood it probably because i'm approaching 68 years old the lion's share of them are still going into crypto and i think they will they will solve this problem in terms of using this stuff for a payment system. Bitcoin, I'm 1% on your chart, kind of ashamed after I told you you're supposed to make big bets. Um, I tried to buy 100 million of it um, last spring um, at 6,800. I bought 20 million. It took me about 10 days and I said, the hell with this, this is too illiquid, I don't wanna play with it. This was Bitcoin. And then I sold it back down to, that was only a four tenths of 1% position. Then when I went to 36,000, I couldn't stand it. And I sold it down to a 1% position and I haven't touched it since. But I don't, I don't think Bitcoin will ever be a currency. It doesn't make sense to me. There's too much volatility. I think if there is a currency, it'll be something else. But it does look like, and I don't disagree with Charlie Munger that this thing's been created out of thin air, but you know what? There's a a painting above my fireplace in the living room that's worth more than my apartment. And if someone thinks that's worth what it is, that's what it is. And for whatever reason, um, millennials, and maybe more importantly, zillionaires um, on the West Coast in the technology economy prefer Bitcoin to gold. And it's been around 13 or 14 years now. It's a brand, so it's probably here to stay. And right now, you're in a you're in a space sort of like an elephant trying to get through a keyhole. Um, the people that own this are sort of religious zealots, and now you have institutions coming in. So I wouldn't doubt that. Bitcoin continues to go higher. You like to hang
0: out, but don't. I don't leave the house, cause I can't. I've been taking these pills, but still, got a couple of chances I couldn't shake. Inside or out, you know where to find me. Don't fear me now.
1: Put that behind me. If I can hear you, what can I see? You, if I can touch. My love real and one that won't fade. You can trust me because I have changed inside or out. You know where to find me. Don't fear me now.
0: Put that behind me. If you believe me, this will be easy. You've heard enough right now. To it's pretty me. clear to me that. Stanley recognizes that Bitcoin is the OG in this space, right? He clearly has gotten orange build. Now, he doesn't know where this space is going like a lot of us. He doesn't understand like where this is headed because there's a lot of FUD out there right now. You know, I don't have to say who it is. (laughs) That's confusing. traders and noobs. But a lot of this stuff is still going to get laid out. You know, I think I think last week and and the week before we kind of cracked it, we kind of understand now that Ethereum is going to be that base layer um, for this next kind of uh, world uh, type of, you know, fiat currency regime or who knows what they're concocting, honestly. Um, And Bitcoin looks to be the only decentralized way to kind of save us all and um we have a lot to discuss when it comes to bitcoin and where it's headed like i promised we're going to talk about the double top scenario and uh a possible thing might be happening tomorrow so with that let's jump into it that's right coin analysis (laughs) Alright, so before we get into coin analysis, I just want to kind of tell you kind of beforehand that for the rest of this episode, you know, I'm going to be dropping a lot of, you know, F-bombs and a lot of S-bombs, and so maybe... Probably listen to this with some headphones on, definitely, not on a loudspeaker, <laughs> and I apologize in advance, but we're gonna be talking a lot about Elon, and that's a trigger thing for me, so I apologize, but uh you've been warned, so maybe not listen to this around kids, and um, it's gonna start now, and as you know, I'm pretty good about that. I'm pretty good about you know keeping my cool about. Most subjects, but this particular thing that happened here recently really, 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 really got on a lot of people's nerves. My nerves, especially. So it definitely comes out, and I apologize in advance. Um, we definitely won't be, or I should say, I definitely won't be this upset <laughs> going forward. Uh, but I, I had to, I had to let it out somehow. And I appreciate you uh, letting me vent for this episode. So thank you. So the last time we talked about this was back in January, right? And I laid out this kind of double top theory that a lot of us speculated at the time was going to happen this year. And then we kind of proceeded on, you know, for the rest of January. I think I brought it up again in January and I brought it up again in February, Right. And then after that, I kind of just put it in the rear view. Never really thought about it again after that. Right. And then when March came, you know, I had that 75 Bitcoin prediction and that never came into fruition. Then April came and we hit we hit a uh, we hit a pretty, pretty nice high of like, what was it, like 63K? Some somewhere around there. We got we got pretty high. And then we never got that high again. Right. That was uh, that was in April. Um, I think it's safe to say now Double top is what this year is going to be. Um, I think the only thing that saves us from all of that tomorrow is a possible Walmart purchase of Bitcoin. That's right. So tomorrow is May 18th. This is when we are supposed to be getting the news on whether Walmart is going to allocate or has allocated into Bitcoin. Now, a lot of people are so bearish right now on Bitcoin. It's hilarious, right? Some billionaire tweets some FUD about Bitcoin, which the vast majority of it is just not true. Anybody who has done any research or has listened to, you know, our audiobook <laughs> knows none of that is true. Um, so. What, what do you see happening right now? And I'll put it here in the show notes. Of course you see it. Well alert. One of my favorite people to follow here on Bitcoin Twitter. You see 6,069, 6,069, 6,913, 7,130, 7,231, 6,851 BTC, 6,873 BTC, 6,128 BTC, over 110,000 Bitcoin is getting purchased and then transferred from wallet to an unknown wallet. Yeah, somebody's buying those bags. <laughs> Institutions or somebody is buying those bags. This is what this is what I'm saying ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is I'm not going to say it's coordinated because it's it really isn't, but when something gets introduced as as a bearish signal in the Bitcoin space, right? When when that gets introduced, you know, traders and people alike are going to run with that, and that's going to change trajectory, regardless of what is ahead of us, right? If if I if I say May is going to is a bullish month, and it's always been a bullish month, and it's a Bitcoin banner year, and we've always had a bullish month in May, and we're, we're above the Ichimoku cloud, and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, this billionaire whiny little bitch, <laughs> you know, gets on Twitter and starts shilling some shit coin, right? And in order to show his little shit coin, he starts, you know, attacking the OG in the space. Of course, people are going to listen to him. What happens? There you go. That's the bearish signal you needed. Bitcoin starts tanking, traders start seeing the bearish signal, and boom, it's just like clockwork. And you can't blame the traders, you can't blame the market. It's gonna react to whatever's out there. This the bearish signal informs the news, the news informs the bearish signal, the price informs the the news. It's all relative. So, what does that give us? That gives us where we're at now. 44k now when we look at everything this falls perfectly in line with the double top Now is this is this where we wanted to be? No <laughs> we didn't want to be there. I was hoping for what I had been saying all along I was hoping for a 75k you know Bitcoin month and then a drawdown in June and July and then a peak back up in August. But no, somebody had to be a whiny little bitch <laughs> and show his own sh- uh, shit coin bags for the sake of who knows why. You know, is, is he a part of the green energy movement? Did they finally get to him? <laughs> who knows why? Who knows what kind of agenda he's running behind the scenes? I don't know. Right. Uh, we do know if you go and look at that um, B- BIS forum, there's a lot of wealthy people that are attending that forum. So who knows, maybe he's attending the forum. We don't even know, right? All I'm saying is there's there's reason for him to, to attack Bitcoin right now. For whatever reason that is, it worked. Okay, so this is where we're at. Now, with the Bitcoin double top that this is kind of playing out to be, which is not a bad thing because this gives us an opportunity to be buying Bitcoin for the next three to four months. Because I actually think this is how long it's going to take. I don't see us, I don't see us getting out of this. The only way I see us getting out of this is if uh, Walmart gets in here and I, and I could see that kind of getting us back above, you know, 60K for a little while and then falling right back down. I, I, I always saw June and July as bearish months. Uh, I don't think that changes. I'm sorry, I just don't. Um, I, I think consensus, even if we do see a little spike up during consensus, I still think we're falling back down. And this is all this is all in an effort to get people to dump their bags. We really have the Federal Reserve call Bitcoin a store of value, right? We have so much information that we've covered this year alone tell you that Bitcoin is a store of value. The sad thing is, is that a lot of people are going to dump their Bitcoin. That's, that's the sad truth. That's the sad truth to it all. But the smart people are going to be buying Bitcoin right now. But a pullback is imminent. It was always imminent in this bull run. It just happened... Eh, About three weeks too early. Yeah. So what does this look like? Because the original double top happened in 2013. And we got a pullback, you know, for about two, three months. And then it started rising back in November. Then came the next big run. Will it happen again? Well, it's kind of playing out the same way. Almost exactly the same way. It's it's falling back down in May. And I think it'll continue to fall you know, until we reach, you know, the very bottom depths (laughs) in July, right? There's going to be a lot of sideways movement here into June and July. It's a really a good time to be taking a break, Carr. (laughs) It's a good good thing you you decided to take a break here in June uh, because it's going to be a really down June and July. Uh, I, I think we might see a nice little pump here in consensus like we usually do. Um, I think if tomorrow Walmart, you know, says that they they bought some Bitcoin, I think that'll be good for the price tomorrow. Um, but I don't think we I don't think we hit 64 K. I don't think we get back there, you know, until we until we get to like, you know, September or October, you know, possibly November, you know, the 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 latest. I think it's going to be that type of um, that type of uh, uh time time frame. I'm not trying to scare y'all. I'm just trying to get you ready for for what this looks like. Um, that's how long it took in, in 2013. So um, you know we could see you know more than more than a few months here of, of just a lot of a lot of red. So not very fun. A lot of people are going to call this a a bear market but it's not a bear market. It's just a double top year it's gonna be a lot of sideways uh, I, I think I think there will be there'll be some there'll be some testing here I think I think our our next our next hold uh, it's barely a hold if that is 38k um, but even even after that I mean it, it it's it, it's gonna it could fall you know to to the 24 26 28 range um, and then of course 18 so I, I don't think it'll get that low. But um, I think I think 38K is imminent, though, for sure. I think we'll find out tomorrow if 38K happens. Um, But with all that being said, I will say, though, that institutions are coming. It's clearly obvious that's happening just because of what Well Alert is reporting here. You know, they're obviously buying the dip. I think there's just a lot of this that we've seen transpire here in the past kind of month to month and a half to two months has been retail traders, right? Some of it institutions, but most of it retail traders. And then you're also going to see a lot of these altcoins kind of dry up here. I'd be really shocked to see if altcoins kind of push through this summer, I'd be really shocked to see, or even if Ethereum pushed through this summer. Um, But like I said, this is going to be a very interesting time. This is going to be the first time I've seen something like this, where you have a bull run. It's still a bull run. It's just that Bitcoin is going to be going sideways uh, for a few months. And what are the altcoins going to be doing? Is Ethereum going to be going up during this time? Are altcoins going to be going up? Or are they going to finally break loose and do their own thing? That's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm I'm kind of looking forward to see how all this kind of plays out. And we're going to take it month by month, week by week, to kind of see how this is playing out. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. This is going to get really interesting really fast. And whatever you do, I would say during these next few months, trust in the protocol, right? Go back to the fundamentals. There's, You're going to see tons of FUD on Bitcoin right now. You're going to see tons of FUD. You're going to see everybody throw FUD at it. You're going to see uh, some people go who you would think wouldn't ever leave Bitcoin, leave Bitcoin and move to Ethereum. You're going to see people who, who who, would probably never even, who you would even consider dumping their, their Bitcoin and move to another altcoin. Uh, that You're going to see that happen. Um, you're going to see a lot of that happen. Um, and you're going to see that transpire over here in the next three months. Uh, it's, it's going to be one of those. It's going to be a battle, is what I'm saying. So, so dig in. Um, this is a good time to DCA for sure every day Um, and when Bitcoin comes out of this because it will later this year you're going to look like a freaking genius because a lot of people are going to be poo-pooing on Bitcoin right now and that's okay they'll make fun of you they'll laugh at your face they'll say Oh man, you should have bought this. You would have you would have had a bazillion dollars or whatever 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 they're going to say. You should have bought this altcoin or this shitcoin or whatever whatever thing they're going to tell you. But at the end of the year, when you're holding, you know, 250k Bitcoin or 300k Bitcoin or, you know, over 100k Bitcoin, whatever it is, they are going to look at you, they're going you're gonna, they're going to see somebody who understands real sound money. And you're going to tell them that you're not in it because you're trying to make these fiat gains, right? Like if I wanted to make fiat, more fiat, it wouldn't be that hard. You know, you would just go invest in, uh, you know, these these altcoins, right? I mean, look at last year when we were, we were talking about all these altcoins, this DeFi summer and how we made 200x, and 100x on these. It was nothing. It was easy. Anybody can do it. It's, it's not that hard, right? It's just about knowing the infrastructure of Ethereum. It's not that hard. But and it's even easier during a during a bull market. But to understand what this is all about, to understand where where true sound money comes from, is to move it back into Bitcoin. And probably this week I'm gonna be doing my episode where I move all my altcoins back into Bitcoin, because at this rate, (laughs) if I don't move them over now, I'm going to lose a lot of its value. So look for that episode to be dropping this week, a lot earlier than I wanted. But like I said, I have to do it quicker than I want to, because a lot of its value is coming out. And that's another thing. You don't know where these alts are going to go. You don't know if those are going to kind of bleed out, or if those are going to run up against what Bitcoin's doing. Maybe Bitcoin just goes sideways, and those just kind of run up. It's going to be interesting a lot of this is going to be interesting a lot of people are going to try to get you to dump your bags of bitcoin and swap it for altcoins and shitcoins. coins that's going to be a bad move it's going to be a bad move so don't fall into those traps don't be taking chances with that this is a double bottom year this isn't anywhere near bitcoin's death don't think that for a second and don't be tempted um a billionaire, <laughs> a billionaire whiny little bitch can't bring down Bitcoin. Um, you know, Bitcoin has seen a lot harder things than this before. Okay. With that, let's get into future predictions. Highly
1: Speculative Token Analysis. These are
0: future predictions. Okay, so right now I want to spend a little time talking about Tesla. And the reason I want to talk about Tesla is because I think it's important to understand what this is really all about, right? Um, So as Elon Musk started attacking Bitcoin last week, and started saying all this FUD about Bitcoin, and then proceeded on to say he's doubling down on Dogecoin, which is the, the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> um, um, basically, pumping his shitcoin, which kind of goes hand in hand with what I've been saying all along is that he's this year's John McAfee, right? So, when all this is going on, what happens to Tesla stock? It tanks. And it's taking considerably, right? And it's it leads me to wonder, why would you, as the, whatever he does these days, CEO, I don't even know what he does. Why would you offend so many people who believe in Bitcoin, who trust in Bitcoin, who hold Bitcoin, who were thinking about actually paying you in Bitcoin for your Tesla vehicle, why would you go and attack it like that? This is where I kind of think, like, is he part of this whole kind of green movement? Did somebody get in his ear? Um, You know, there's a lot of kind of conspiratorial conspiracies around that. And I'm not going to get into that, but at least one to believe something like that happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I will say that when, when I saw all this kind of fud coming out of his twitter i I quickly realized that this guy is not as smart as i, I initially thought he was, and, and it kind of, it's kind of sad, right? because there's been times before where he said things that I just wasn't I wasn't you know clued into about that particular topic, you know, just because I don't know about tunnels. (laughs) I don't know about electric vehicles, but the guy is saying, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. I believe him. But in in this particular topic, when he was talking about Bitcoin and talking about mining and and all this stuff, it was clearly obvious to me that he had no idea what he was talking about. And he clearly hadn't done the research. And he was just saying these big uh, ideas and, and quoting you know, erroneous sources. Um, and it's kind of quite sad because he had mentioned one thing and it was clearly obvious to me that he never even read the white paper, the Bitcoin white paper. And at that point, I quickly realized that this guy takes surface level courses into everything that he he does. He, he bas- He's basically somebody who probably just reads the... Uh, <laughs> You know, what are those books that they sell for for people that want to take the easy way out when, when they study a, a book or have to read a book? I forget what they're called. Gosh, uh, Goodreads or I, I forget the name of it. Somebody tweet at me later. But I feel like he just he just is getting like this surface level kind of understanding of of these of these subjects and these topics. And he's not doing like the due diligence of really spending time understanding this stuff. And then he goes on to really um, offend Michael Saylor, which I thought was just kind of like, dude, what are you like, 10? To me, I just do not understand like where he's coming from. And I quickly realized as well, too, the guy is just a really moody bitch. Like <laughs> if you look at his tweets, like he's just a moody guy. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I don't want to be I don't want to be that typical Bitcoin guy that just shits on him. But it's kind of hard not to be when he attacks it in this way. He's clearly made himself a villain in this space. He's clearly on par with Roger Veer at this point. I don't know how you come back from something like this because I don't think you can. But in my situation, at least with me personally, if I ever see this guy around Austin, I'm straight throwing dog shit in his face. <laughs> Seriously. And I probably won't do that. But I, I definitely will give a piece of my mind, you know, as a Bitcoiner because. What a whiny little bitch, <laughs> right? Shilling Doge over Bitcoin. Go do your research, bro. You know, I apologize for all the cursing, you know, in, in the later part of this episode. You know, that's not really me. And, uh, but you know, there's just there's just certain things that grind my gears, man. Um, you know, th- that's definitely one of them. You know, when somebody attacks Bitcoin and, uh, you know, says things that are just completely false and has this much cachet, in the world, um, it really makes a lot of people upset. And not only does it make a lot of people upset, but a lot of people believe him because he's supposed to be this like genius, right? And in reality, everything he's saying is completely false because a lot of us know more about this than he does. So we quickly realized this guy is a fraud. You know? And and quite frankly, everything that he's made makes me question who's actually really making this stuff behind the scenes. And it really falls into this kind of false kind of genius. Right? So, I don't know, man. All he did was ruin his reputation.